1: Hi everybody.
0: everybody, this is a podcast accepted,
1: the, the podcast.
0: podcast, and I'm not Theo,
1: and I'm not Juliet, I can't go that high,
0: I'm not Theo, and Theo, what's shaking bacon this week?
1: Every time you ask me that, I always say, well, nothing, and I'm surprised too, <laughs> anybody's interested in what, I'm, oh, actually, yeah, so I'm surprised anybody's interested in what I'm doing, but yesterday I was at the grocery store, uh-huh. and and the checkout guy Um, nice guy, just doing his job, Trader Joe's, they make chit-chat, right? And so he was like, so what are you doing today? And I was like, somebody's actually interested in what I'm doing. (laughs) And uh, it turned out I was doing something because I was the stuff I was buying, I was going to go home and just cook, make some bread, and then make up like a little cheese plate or whatever and just like play grandma in the kitchen. And so that's what I told him and uh, he looked at me like that was the saddest thing he'd ever heard. Oh, <laughs> I know. <Aww. laughs> uh, I think
0: it sounds like fun.
1: Well, it was. I had a glorious time making Excellent. bread and then eating the a little there, bit of it.
0: By the way, is it hot?
1: Um, it was hot yesterday. It was like 91 degrees, Shit. which is on the tipping side of warm. It's That's a little hot. little warmer than I like. Um yeah. But then at night, it got into the 50s, so. That's pleasant. It was cold this morning, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it was nice. When you were here in two weeks, it will definitely be in the 80s. And that sounds great. It'll be cooler at night. Um, sounds perfect. Yeah, the weather should be good. It will not be brutal until, well, I mean, who, who can predict the weather anymore? I know. Typically, it's not brutal until June, July for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, it's only April, so I should be fine. You've,
1: you've plenty. I'm,
0: I'm totally looking forward to it. I'm you, so excited. I don't care what we do. I don't care if we don't do anything. I think I'm going to have a great time, no matter what.
1: You better sign up for a whole lot of nothing, lady, because that's exactly <laughs> what we'll be doing. <laughs> that I mean, sounds great. We'll probably make oat cakes. Uh, is awesome. going be make the thing. Cakes. Yeah, cool. Why not? <laughs> That, that sounds awesome. And then I'm going to take you out back and show you my garden Yay. Um, and the birdhouses that I've hung up. And Aww. um, yeah, and that'll that be perfect. And yeah, we'll take a nap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's just what I do at home. <laughs> um,
1: awesome. But yeah, no, that that was it. Um, and then I'll um, I'll share this because this morning I had a weird... Um, moment where, yeah. um, I'd gone out to get coffee. I was driving into the house and we have this electronic gate, which sounds very fancy. It's not fancy. Um, <laughs> the guy that owned the house previously, uh, his wife had Alzheimer's. And so uh-huh. he put the fence up in I order see. to keep her from wondering, um, right. which is very sad, but, yeah. uh, the fence has plants growing on it and around it. And so it's cute. Um, Anyway, so I was waiting for the door to open because like I said, not fancy. It's very slow and I have to sit in the road and I saw this uh-huh. lady wandering around and I was like, fuck, is that one of the neighbors that she needs to say hi and good morning to you? Hello, I'm so friendly. Uh-huh. Like, I don't like neighbors. Um, yeah. Don't want to know you, don't care. Don't. I got enough of my own stuff to do. Don't, no, that's don't cool. bother me. Yep, fine. It's, nope, neighbor means don't talk to me. So yeah. I could tell that she was, like, desperate to talk to me. And I, on purpose, just did not make eye contact. She just kind of yeah. kept... Te- and I couldn't tell, like, are you are you, are you you unbalanced in some way? Yeah. Is there yeah. a thing going on? You don't look right. like you are distressed. You don't look like your house is on fire, right? Yeah. Um, you just look like a nosy old lady that wants to say hi. So no thanks. Uh-huh. So I get inside, and I close the gate behind me with um, the clicker. In the car, uh-huh. and I'm waiting for uh-huh. it to close, and she's standing there watching me. Right now, it takes Weird. a good minute for the gate yeah. to close. It is not yeah. a fast moving thing. So she's standing. I'm in sitting in my car for like 30 seconds. The car's off. I'm in the driveway. I, I am clearly doing nothing in uh-huh. the car except uh-huh. looking in the rearview mirror at her. Waiting she for
0: can, her to leave. Yeah,
1: she could see me. I could see her. And yeah. it was like Theo, fuck it, just get out of the car. She's going to come talk to you. Just deal with it. Right. Right. But get out of the car, and she comes up to the gate, and she says in the snidest tone I have ever heard, "I'm just trying to invite you to an ice cream social." And hands me a flyer, right? And then, of course, I went into Uber charming to try and recover for being like so avoided. So it's like, oh, thank you so much. That's so kind of you. Jesus. Right, and so
0: what a rude lady.
1: Well, what a horrible woman to invite me to an ice cream social. Thank you. I mean, I I don't want to go. I'm not going to go. But the goofy thing was not
0: going to go now now that she's been like snide about it.
1: Well, and and I get it. Right. Because I know the vibe I was throwing off was like
0: legitimate big city. Young person (laughs) doesn't want to talk
1: to me. So, She's yeah.
0: probably five years younger than you <laughs>
1: Probably I would that to be a kicker I could see the paper in her hand As she was coming up to the gate And I was out of the car And I was like Oh fuck It's going to be one of these Like will you sign this petition No I get enough spam I'm yeah. not signing a petition I'm no, nope. So I'm so hostile And um, <laughs> yeah No it was a ice cream social Which weirdly ties in To our topic today that's weird. It is very weird, and I didn't notice it until, um, until we were just starting. And then I was like, uh-huh. "Oh wow, the lazy writing again." God, but okay, uh-huh. I'll take it. Um, what about you? What's shaken bacon?
0: Well, I've been, as you know, I've been trying to stay alive and do things. Um, <laughs> stay good alive. plan. I'm trying to, huh?
1: Good plan.
0: Yeah, so instead of staying at home all the time, I've been trying to get out, um, and it's turned into, well, I sort of planned it that way, like going out in the morning before the day starts and, and going somewhere and and hiking a little bit and just walking or whatever I feel like doing at the time. And, um, I have been doing that since last week, and it's been going pretty well. I've got some interesting interesting sites in and yesterday we went brent and i went to um point ray station which is this little town up in west marin um there's a couple shops and you know a, a feed barn that has a gift shop in it and that kind of thing and, and i went I, the, the feed barn with the gift shop in it was the really the main thing i wanted to do not so much the hiking but i wanted to go to the feed barn with the of gift course, shop. course, i want to go so <laughs> <laughs> i went there and i got some cheese and it sounds like your trip to trader joe's like you got some things to eat and um A T-shirt, which is what I really wanted, and uh, then we went to Point Reyes Beach and we walked up the beach a little ways. And Brent has a foot issue, so he can't walk very far. So we just walked a little bit and then came back. And some people were really nice to us, and it was just a very pleasant day. And and then I got a migraine, and it was it it started out with the migraine aura that I get, the visual aura, and so I took a pill, but the pill didn't do very much, and I ended up getting this really bad headache and nausea and, and. all the the stuff you get with the migraine, um, light sensitivity and all that stuff. And I couldn't drive anymore, so Brent had to drive. And then so the rest of the way home, it was like being in hell because I had this horrible headache and I couldn't escape the car. I couldn't really lie down. I couldn't be comfortable. There was noise and light and all those terrible things. So... So that was bad, and I was wondering this morning why I was so out of it um, when we were starting up the podcast. And then I remembered that I had this migraine yesterday. And not only did I have the migraine, but I took pills for the migraine. So the two combined have made me very out of it. So um, it won't be as bad as it was during the migraine when I couldn't think of words. So I was hardly able to communicate during the migraine. But um, it'll it'll be a little bit like that today. So please forgive me if I forget the words for things like trees and
1: you know. I can't wait. I cannot wait to mock you (laughs) mercilessly.
0: (laughs) So tell me, so how does our, our, how does your, your bacon fit into our story today?
1: So today our, our news story is our apology story, um, is a San Francisco BART commissioner used an expression that, um, has racist overtones and, and racist origins. Um, and when I read the story initially, I was like, oh, I, I know that phrase. I wouldn't have thought of it as racist. I know. But now that I think about it, right? d- duh. But it, so without making it a big mystery, the phrase he used was cotton picking, cotton picking yeah. something. And I I don't use it regularly. It's probably right. been years since i've yeah. used it but i have used it in moments of frustration and it to me it just meant like
0: it's kind of like a down-home phrase that you say and it kind well, of
1: something that's super fussy and tedious and going slowly and and like not worth a thing and you just, it, it's you know not not a i never i never connected it with people Right.
0: I never connected it with the racism either. And when I read this at first, I was like, what's wrong with cotton picking? I was like, oh, (laughs) oh,
1: and then I had a moment where I was like, okay, come on. I think maybe we're going too far now. Right. And then it was like, oh, shit, you better just put a big red X on this day because you have turned into (laughs) that person. Right, (laughs) the things from my childhood can't be racist. The things that I love can't be racist. You're taking my history away from me. Absolutely not. Thomas Jefferson, the greatest president of American history. How dare you say he fathered children upon his enslaved uh, um, slaves? What word do I use? Servant, mistress? She wasn't a mistress, but yeah. So um, all all of that and. Uh, so then it got me thinking like, okay, what, what other common terms have racist origins? And boy, did I find out? And we'll, I guess we'll save that for post story. So oh, shall yeah, we just jump good. straight into it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm- happened? BART is Bay Area Rapid Transit. That's sort of our train slash subway system. Um, and the director of BART is named John McPartland. And he apologized in January of this year for using racist language during a board meeting after a talk on racial equity. So bad timing, John McPartland. Um, he made the remark while expressing his approval of the racial equity plan presented by black staff members, which uh, was a group that included Macy Wiggins, who was the director of BART's Office of Civil Rights. And McPartland said, I find the work that Maceo is doing right now to be so cotton-picking inspirational. Now, I don't know where John Partland, McPartland is from, but he better not be from the Bay Area, because he—who who is he to use that? thats a Southern phrase, A. And if he is from San Francisco, he has no right to be using that phrase in the first place. If he's a Southerner, it may be a little bit different, but still not so much racist. Um, but he said— to the San Francisco Standard, which is a local publication, that he was not aware of the connotations of the term with regard to African Americans and slavery. And and I can, I can believe that. I mean, if you don't think about it and you don't use the phrase very often, you might not really know. I didn't know. Theo didn't know. Um, we just were ignorant and stupid, I guess. Because um, if you think about it at all, it is very obvious. So uh, we apologize for not getting it.
1: Until, until um, somebody else got in trouble for it right somebody else got glad it was problem. him yeah. and not me because
0: yeah totally i'm glad i'm glad i read this before i used it in a meeting
1: i mean it, like i said I it's been have. years but yeah i might have once uh at some future moment have said something like this cotton picking thing right yeah um i use it whenever i think of it as a term of annoyance do you yeah
0: I just sort of—I don't know what I think of it as, but I mean, I, I'm liable to say wait a cotton picking minute if I. Fair if, enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, not frequently. Maybe once every every. Every six, day. Seven to ten years. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so the general manager of Bart, whose name is Bob, sent out an email to the staff after McPartland apologized on Tuesday, and Bob said. The language was insensitive and unacceptable to the staff delivering the presentation, as well as embarrassing to the district. Bart is committed to ensuring a workplace free of discrimination and providing a more inclusive and equitable workplace, which sounds good. Thanks, Bob. Um, and John McParland did apologize and said he's a member of the NAACP, which I'm just like, Bob, come on. You're I mean, not John. helping yourself, Bob, there. Yeah, you're not helping yourself. But, but the kicker is he has a history of making racist remarks. Um, I guess we're not surprised. He told a black lawyer with the ACLU in 2019 that she was, quote, very articulate. And he told the lawyer that she should consider becoming a lawyer. Jesus
1: Christ, Bob.
0: (laughs) And then in 2020, during a discussion on Black Lives Matter, he said that Robert E. Lee was an exemplary general and said that the Confederate statue should not be torn down. Okay, Bob. John.
1: I'm sorry, John. John. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, John. John.
0: Um, He claims that he apologized to the attorney after the comment, but he doubled down on his characterization of Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was a military genius, McParlin said. He said that men with racist legacies are part of our history. We should also put up a plaque that says this is a slave owner and a racist. They should be recognized for both, which doesn't make any sense. Because why are you recognizing someone for being a racist? I mean, I know what he was saying. but
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it. So, yeah, this is going to be like a lot of words, and I'm going to be real careful about how and what I say next, right? Good luck. Um, Yeah, thanks. I'll need it. I like, I get what he's saying, and there is some truth there, right? So, um, critical race theory looks at American history through the black experience. And I think it's a phenomenal um, um, tool. I think it's desperately needed, um, and and great, right? But at the at the same time, in that way that white people have made the only story about, we'll use Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson as like the genius signer of the Declaration of Independence, and. All the amazing stuff. I can't remember a single thing that he did now. All the amazing stuff that he did. And he was president and now amazing, right? Um, Sure. But then also there's the fact that he was a slave owner and both things can be true at once, right? Yeah. And so Robert E. Lee may have been on the wrong side of history, but he may actually have been—I don't know enough about him—but I'll say probably what would be considered a um, a smart general. He won some battles, like lots well, of battles. It's
0: interesting that you bring that up because they—I was reading some articles that said that um, Robert Lee's importance was um, sort of created after the fact that he was not that great a general. Um, his reputation has changed and that people, (laughs) scholars are now questioning whether he was a a good, a a good general at all, that there was, there was a, um, it was, what's it called when you reinvent history or rewrite history?
1: Uh, not repurpose, I know what you're saying. Um,
0: yeah, whatever it is, that's, that's Whitewash, what we could use that. Whitewash is one thing. What, they, they rewrote history to make Robert E. Lee sound like a better general than he actually was.
1: Sanitize. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I get that. And I can see where that would be kind of a racist move, because you're pinning all the right. glory of the Old South on the fallen general. Um, and so, sure, yeah, maybe he wasn't. Like, uh, that right. seems... We'll say that um, it seems just as likely to me that he was or wasn't a good uh-huh. general, as it does that he later became an a symbol, an emblem for the confederacy, confederacy itself. Right. So okay. I'm with you. Um, but so so I'll say like the point that I'm making is if we're going to take history as a whole, whole. Then we have to take history as as a whole, um, uh-huh. and that's uncomfortable. And and will I say glorious too? Right? Glorious? Can both things be true at the same time? No. Yes, no. Whole? Not my job to figure anything out. Just to show up. I hear you. That's and here I am. Okay. So <laughs> have, having derailed um, the story to make that point, right? Um, so then what happened?
0: Well, um, after uh, John McPartland defended Robert E. Lee, he said, I hope I didn't end up digging a bigger hole, which, of course, he did. Um, so later in January, um, McPartland was censored by the board of directors in a six to two vote. So he's still director of the um, BART Bart, and he still, uh, I I think he was just censored and nothing really happened, like he didn't get fined or anything like that, so it doesn't really even matter that he was censored, except maybe he was slightly embarrassed, but um, he did apologize, and we can read the apology in a moment, Um, unless you have anything else, I don't think you do, but might.
1: Uh, In relation to, well, I do, I have tons of stuff, yeah. Oh,
0: let's let's hear it.
1: Yes, because, oh my gosh, did I fall into the rabbit hole um, I might still be in the rabbit hole, so um, given my initial surprise of that, oh gosh, I never recognized that cotton picking is a right. term with racist origins, and wow, I had a moment where I was like, "Don't take that phrase away from me! I need it." Right? Um, I, I was, I, I, wow. Wow. I was really surprised to to discover that that guy lives inside of me, that there is a small yeah. piece of me that was like, okay, now we've gone too far. Now it's too far. <laughs> Don't come after cotton picking, everyone. Um, and so I figured, okay, well, you know, um, racism, the history of like racial expressions that became everyday expressions, racist toys, things like that. And uh-huh. I did my favorite thing to went and look for a podcast, and I found one. Yay. It's called "Fuck Your Racist History." And oh wow, it is. Who is it by? I am. Ju- you are so psychic. I was just going to say it's <laughs> by Christian Piccolini. Piccolini? Piccolini. Piccolini. Picciolini. Sorry, Christian. Um, so, Christian, Mister um, Piccolini,
0: <laughs>
1: was. A skinhead. And in oh, the wow. 80s and early 90s, he was like... A bad
0: kind of skinhead. A,
1: I'm sorry, a bad kind of skinhead? Yeah. Aren't they all bad?
0: No. I mean, there's some people in punk who were sort of... I mean, I don't think they called themselves skinheads, but they looked like skinheads. Okay, yep. And they had tattoos and all that sort of thing, and they were they were like straight edge or something like that, and they were totally fine.
1: An absolute difference between punk Right and yeah. skinhead, which is more of the angry, violent, the definitely right-wing. racist, anti-Semitic, uh, all yeah. the things. Right, they're basically clan um, members who have not only exposed themselves by removing the sheet, but shaved their head. Like this is how yeah. proud I am of of my beliefs. Right, um, so so he was skinhead, and he had a band that was like, and I forget what he called it, but he called it something like a a hate. Hate band So punk music Right Uh but with Racist lyrics and anti-semitic Lyrics just all the hate right And they would go and perform They were the um, first and they might be the Only American hate band To have performed in Europe Um, They would go to festivals And white supremacist Gatherings and clan events and They would play their stuff Um, Of course this is pre-internet And so He would, I don't know how their albums were produced or how their music was distributed, but it was Uh distributed through that network, probably mail order catalog stuff is, is my total guess, right? I'm making that up. Don't know. Um, and then he had his conversion moment where, where he is, he's now an active anti racist. And I'm going to say, I loved his show. It was really, really interesting. Um, I was uncomfortable in moments because it was like, I get he's anti-racist, but given his past, is this sort of his excuse to get behind a microphone and say these words? But his perspective, well, and he doesn't say the words, he's quoting people who say the words, right? Okay. Um, But, uh, or he plays a clip of somebody saying the word, right? Uh Um, And it's and the use of the language is very appropriate to the story that he's telling and and he's taking a historic look at periods so it all it all makes sense but i was still mm-hmm. like i don't should i be listening to this but but yes yes i should right um because i'm totally on board with his perspective anyway so he shared in his podcast um that Dylan Roof the guy who went in and shot nine people in a church service
0: uh-huh
1: um in South Carolina uh, had, was a fan of his music, of his own oh, music. Wow. And he was horrified by that. And um, and he said this like really incredibly moving thing about um, not so much reparation. Um, and I'm trying to think of the word. Oh God, I've caught what you had. Like, Sorry. I can't think of the word. Um, <laughs>
0: it's all my fault.
1: When... Uh, there, Regret in and of itself is not enough, right? And atonement also, in and of itself, really is not enough. And he's much more artfully expressive than that. So that's my long story about listening to his um, show about racist toys and from childhood, right? And the point that he was making was that we, as a society, all people absorb um, the lessons of racism that white is superior and everything else is inferior, and that it it's presented in any number of different ways. So um, he started off reminding us about the Dr. Seuss books. So there were six books that had rather racist caricatures that appeared on the pages and the Dr. Seuss um, company itself, the publisher um, officially took the books out of print and said they would no longer, um, be making them but the books hadn't been in circulation for a really long time anyway because of the caricatures right so um but you know that's that's one avenue through which children absorb racism oh look at the funny pictures and then of course you move from books into cartoons and bugs bunny disney with dumbo and those crows yeah. and many more disney things too i mean song in the oh, south yeah. um and then it, even into a nursery rhyme, so eeny, meeny, miny, moe, catch a tiger by the toe. Right. That word wasn't tiger back in the right. day. That was a whole different word. And the word was. Um, and then, and of course, nobody can see it behind me other than Juliet. Um, but then we move into physical toys. And so you have the dolls, right? And if they're the mammy dolls and... Then there were these dolls called gollywogs. And there's a whole thing right. in the press now about some woman who owns a pub or a hotel. And she's a gollywog collector. And she received oh criticism God. because people were like, hey, these dolls are racist. And they're a part of my childhood. I dare you. They're not racist yeah. at all. And um yeah, no, Our I'm...
0: for childhood and are racist.
1: They're pretty racist, lady. I, I got to tell you. Uh, and for anybody that's not familiar with the gollywog who is familiar with Black Pete in um, in the Netherlands, oh, right. the Santa Claus guy, um, they look like Black Pete, basically. So they're like hyper um, stereotypical representations of uh, people of color. So um, then we go from that to the products that have been a part of our childhood, right? Um, Aunt Jemima pancakes, right. Uh, featuring a mammy caricature on the front. Um, later that character got changed over and, um, Aunt Jemima pancakes rebranded and now they are Pearl Milling. Um, and I love this thing that it has come up before in our show. So careful listeners will recall that the name Aunt Jemima comes from a minstrel character Aunt Jemima, uh, sorry, Aunt Jemima, but that comes from ain't your mama. um, Oh right. But pancakes aside, we had Uncle Ben's rice. We had that pudding that that guy used to sell all the time on TV. The very nice guy with the sweaters who was drugging women and raping them. That guy. Yeah. That guy. But, you know, very affable, very friendly, very uncle type of uh, black man talking about how wonderful pudding is. Right. Um, So great. Then racism, so so we absorb all these messages, right, whether consciously or, well, we absorb them consciously and subconsciously. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, then it enters our language. So here's a lot of stuff about some words that we use. Um, the phrase grandfathered, which I do use all the time, that uh-huh. comes from voting and it comes from Jim Crow laws where after black people were freed, um... White people realized, oh, they can vote now. So they made, white people made voting really hard. You had to pass a literacy test. You had to pay a poll tax. There were all kinds of things you had to do in order to be able to vote. But those laws also unfairly targeted white people. So poor white people who could not read, could not pass the literacy test. So what do you do? Well, what you do is you create a law that says, hey, if your grandfather could vote, and you can't read. Uh, you get to vote. You're grandfathered uh, in. Yep.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, now expressions like master bedroom. Yeah, duh, that does right. make sense, right? Um, the phrase master bedroom first appeared in the 1926 Sears catalog, and according to the real estate, um, oh, who cares about that? Um, it was, and nobody cares about that. We can tell you how much the house cost. <laughs> It was four thousand three hundred and ninety-eight dollars, <laughs> and it was a Dutch colonial home. And you bought it nice. from the Sears catalog, and they shipped all the lumber and the nails and everything to your to your plot and you of just land. Put it up. And you just put it up yourself. Um, master bedrooms were widely implemented in American homes after World War II, intended to give working parents a private space within their own homes. Then, of course, we've got the term master slave, which is used a lot in technology. Uh, in IT companies, I, on purpose, don't use it. Um, at my job, we have these things that uh, used to be called master contracts, and yeah. we now call them mother contracts um, because they give birth to other contracts that get get changed. Um, and I came up with that term, and you're welcome, everybody that I work with. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay, and so now instead of master-slave, we're using primary replica, which... I'm going to say, okay, that makes sense to my brain. How about um, how about peanut gallery? I sort of always thought that had something to do with Charlie Brown.
0: I thought it had to do with kids, like kids being little peanuts or something.
1: Yeah, well, the phrase typically refers to the cheapest seats in a theater and is informally used to describe critics or hecklers, right? Um, uh-huh. So when somebody says, no comments from the peanut gallery, it implies that a certain group of... Um, people are being rowdy. Uh, So the term dates back to the vaudeville area of the late 1800s and references sections of the theater where black people typically sat. Um, Jeffrey Barg, who writes a language column for the Philadelphia Inquirer, noted recently that the first documented use of peanut gallery appeared in the New Orleans Times-Picayune in 1867. um, And the term was cemented in pop culture in the 1940s on TV through the Howdy Doody show. Um Cakewalk. Now, I do know that the term cakewalk comes from slave um, it has it has it Does comes it? from racism, it comes from from slavery, right? Did not I know that. I knew that black people used to do a cakewalk and that, you know, a cakewalk is just anything that's easy. But then I also loosely sort of tied it into my head with the thing of a piece of cake, right? I oh, that's a piece of cake,
0: like those southern lunches where people, where women would make cakes and then people would bid on them.
1: Ah, uh, so not according to the internet. Oh um, wow, the is so, right. I'm sure it's absolutely right. So I, I do know that there was there was a slave thing, right? But that's kind of all I knew. And so in my head, it was like, all right, cakewalk slavery, but piece of cake easy. And a cakewalk is an easy thing. So fine. I've used cakewalk, not maybe in the last, I don't know, X years, but I'm sure I've used it. Uh, Okay. So um, a cakewalk is basically an easy victory. The cakewalk originated as a dance performed by enslaved black people on plantations before the Civil War. It was intended to be a mockery of the way white people danced. How dare you? Um, Though plantation owners often interpreted slaves' movements as unskillful attempts to be white. Owners held contests. I don't like that word. Um, We'll change that to the enslavers held contests in which enslaved people competed for a cake. Later, the dance and the idiom was popularized through minstrel shows, characterized by a high leg prance with a backward tilt of the head, shoulders, and upper torso. Uh, this next one pretty straightforward: lynch mob. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. it gets used in the press a lot. I've used it, um, and we know what it, we know what it means. I don't think it needs any any definition, but maybe I'll start rethinking. Um, use of that word like, mm-hmm. i don't use it that often but whatever mm-hmm. um here's a word i have never used in my life but i have heard it a ton uppity oh yeah yeah i mean you know that's only racist yeah um black ball black mark Ah, uh, sure right okay um is it going too far here potentially maybe there's an argument that could be built for it um so, blackball and blackballed, your black mark against your name, the terms both imply wrongdoing. If you bear a black mark, you've done something that people hold against you. If you've been blackballed, you've been banned from joining an organization because of something you've done. Is the that f-
0: supposed to be racist just because the word black is in it, or are there, is there more nuance?
1: That's the argument. That's um, it. Okay. The phrases didn't originate in times of slavery, but the use of black to describe things that are wrong is subconsciously racialized. According to Douglas Longshore, a UCLA researcher who published a study in 1979 on color connotations and race, black has connoted evil and disgrace, while white has connoted decency and purity. Um... Eh, Okay. I mean, well, I'm going to change
0: my usage of the words if there's any if there's any risk that racism is going to be implied. So, uh, right. And here's the thing.
1: I'm not married to any word other than cotton picking, apparently. So (laughs) if, you know, we need to stop using it. Cool. I don't care. There's plenty of words in the English language. That's yeah, that's great. Um, Sold down the river. I oh, wow. maybe once have used that, and I think that pretty much speaks for itself. In the 1800s, black slaves were literally sold down the river. Slave traders traveled what? along the Mississippi River, selling enslaved people to plantation owners further south. The further south you went, the worse things got, apparently. Um, and there were, um, in the deep south, inhumane conditions and brutal labor that often ended in death. And I think the, um, I don't want to say the real thing there. I'll say what added to that was mosquitoes. So the further south you oh, went, wow. the more likely you were to die from d- dysentery, malaria. To, yes. Whatever
0: it is that people got.
1: Whatever. Yikes. W- whatever. Here's one I use all the time. And I use it when I'm driving and I'm in the midst of road rage. And I will have to stop using it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right. chop. Chop. Chop, chop! Hurry huh. up! Why? Okay. Why you should stop using it? Um, this phrase comes from the Cantonese word "cop" or "make haste." It is generally used condescendingly to someone that the speaker considers to be below them in status, which is why I use it in road rage, <laughs> um, which only worsens the fact that it's making fun of the pidgin English spoken by Chinese immigrants. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. I I can get that. Eskimo. Um, Eskimo. Yeah. Eskimo. yeah. yeah comes from the danish word borrowed from the algonquin askamak okay fine i'm doing my best everybody which literally means eaters of raw meat and so i
0: called somebody's dog an eskimo dog one time and was immediately horrified that i had done that
1: it was a <laughs> husky yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah i the minute you uh, said eskimo dog i was like oh totally with the blue eyes
0: Right, I know exactly that. I said that, and I was like, "Oh shit!"
1: (laughs) Oh god, (laughs) I'm so
0: sorry. I called your dog and asked him a dog. It's a husky. I'm so sorry.
1: Oh, that's cute, and also terrible. How horrible of you! Long time no see. Long time no see. Well, um, it derives from broken English used by non-native English speakers, meant to be funny. This particular phrase mocks the way Native Americans and Chinese people speak.
0: Oh my god!
1: um, Or spoke English. No can do. I can't do it. Why? Well, you should stop wow. using it. Um, basically, uh, it's making fun of uh, broken English spoken by Chinese immigrants uh, who came to America in the very early 20th century. Mumbo jumbo. I'm like, Uh-oh. I don't use it a lot, but I sure I have. Yeah. Um, let's see. This expression derives from the name. Mama Jombo, a character often portrayed by a male dancer in West African Mandinka culture, cultural ceremonies, British explorers in the 1730s. So, you know, this is only going to go to bad places, uh, got his name wrong and found him terrifying and grotesque and the rituals meaningless. Hence the derogatory use of the nickname to indicate that something is unintelligible nonsense. Wow. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip-hip-hooray! Hip-hip-hooray, Juliet! That's that's racist? Hip-hip-hooray! It's an exclamation of praise, congratulations, or celebration. Hip-hip-hooray developed from the German... Okay, I'm already... I'm out. Um, (laughs) The German hep-hep, which was a harmless call shepherds would use when herding their sheep. But during the Holocaust, German citizens started using it as a rallying shout when they would hunt down and kill Jewish citizens... Oh, and God. the phrase's anti-Semitic undertones go as far back as 1819 with the Hep-Hep riots, a time of both Jewish emancipation from the German Confederation and communal violence against German Jews. Now, I know this next one will be heartbreaking.
0: Oh.
1: Uh. Yes, the national anthem. Can you believe <laughs> America was founded on slavery?
0: What? It, America's racist?
1: Yes. It's hard to believe that. I know. And now I have to share this very sad, bad, no good news with you. I know how much you love the national anthem.
0: That's my favorite song.
1: <laughs> I bet it is. Um, <laughs> and if it, 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 uh, Genesis, War of 1812, the Americans were fighting the British. And this guy, Francis Scott Key, witnessed a yeah. battle, saw the American flag standing proudly in the midst of all these exploding... Bombs. And so he wrote a poem, um, set it to music. The song, um, and I guess it was already an existing set of, it was an existing melody. I don't know enough about uh-huh. the melody. I didn't care. Um, but so the song was not officially adopted as the national anthem until 1931. And not the full entire song, but just like the first verse or two. Um, so it's a, it's, there are more than four verses but I think we basically only sing the first one. I probably only know the way it begins. Um, verse 4 mentions enslaved people joining the British and fighting against Americans. The British uh, had promised enslaved people land if they would join the British military and fight those horrible Americans. Um, the song itself was anti-British, but in 1931, when the song was officially adopted... Uh, U.S and Britain were friends they'd become allies during World War I and so we weren't going to have a song that insulted our new British friends/ right. British cousins, right um, yeah. So Francis Scott Key, the guy who wrote the song, uh, um, was a slave owner. Um, he idolized Thomas Jefferson and uh, he who was also a slave owner. Uh, they both opposed slavery in principle. He even Francis Scott Key even viewed himself as an anti-slavery reformer, however, huh. he's no hero. Right? He, huh. So he owned slaves, but also thought that he shouldn't wow. have the right to. Um, he wasn't a fan of abolition. The arc of his career as a Washington area attorney reflects just how ingrained slavery was in early American life. Born in Maryland in 1779, Key was too young to remember the American Revolution But he came of age in its aftermath, a time when the ideas of liberty and equality were practically sacrosanct in the minds of most Americans. He also came of age at a time when various northern states abolished slavery and passed their own emancipation laws. As a result, Key was never really comfortable with slavery. And as a young D.C.-based lawyer, he argued against the international slave trade and defended enslaved people in court, including those suing for freedom. Yet he wasn't an abolitionist. Huh. Instead, he huh. believed um, and agreed with the views of the American col- Colonization society, American colonization society. Sorry. Um, so the American colonization society founded in 1816 was a group run mostly by Southerners, and it supported the migration of freed black people back to Africa, back to where you came from. Um, oh. Key was an original member, and he would later become one of the organization's staunchest defenders. Well, Key, Francis Scott Key, had a sister named Anne. And Anne got super lucky in life, and she married a guy who became real famous. He became a Supreme Court Justice, and his name was Roger B. Tanney. And he wrote The Dred Scott Decision.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then super last the ice cream song the ice no, cream song uh huh how does words? it go uh,
0: i don't remember but
1: i don't either um i wonder
0: but i, I didn't even know it had words
1: uh well uh, this probably won't work and it might not make for fun i was going to ask Siri to play it uh, Siri um, play
0: the ice cream song
1: i don't i mean i could hear it in my head i can hear the ice cream truck jingle um okay well Here we go. So the ice cream song. Ice cream. i was going to make a really bad joke. I'm not going to make it. Um, Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you off air. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's so funny. No, it's not. Don't do that. (laughs) The one time in my life where my brain stepped in front of my mouth. (laughs) Okay. The ice cream song. The racist origin. So there's a song called Turkey and the Straw. and That melody. Oh, (laughs) oh, that's the one that's. Oh, okay. Turkey turkey and and the Straw. How's it go? Yeah.
0: I can't sing it. But I
1: know the song. Turkey in the straw and I don't care. <laughs> turkey in the straw and I don't care. Turkey turkey, 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 turkey. Turkey in the straw and I don't care. Okay. That's
0: probably a racist song too, Jimmy
1: Crackhorn. Oh, that's Jimmy Crackhorn. Oh my God. See, I don't. Jimmy Crackhorn. <laughs> I actually, I think that might be an indentured servant song. Uh, that might. Okay. I don't know. I I don't know why I think I know that. Isn't but, it Jimmy
0: Crackhorn and I don't care, Master's Gone Away? Oh, it might be. So anyway, it seems like it'd be racist to me.
1: I'm sure, whatever, I'm sure <laughs> it eventually. But now, okay, now I have to Google that. I'm going to do that. That'll be my afternoon. It better, it better come from indentured servitude. All right, anyway, back to... Um, Back to our ice cream song that neither of us really know How it goes but the minute yeah. I hear it I'd go out In the street running with a quarter in My hand to go buy some ice cream Right
0: yeah.
1: It was amazing so in 1916 Harry C. Brown Changed the lyrics of turkey in the straw and um, He changed oh. you know, uh-huh. And oh, no. he uh, He published that That revision
0: oh, um, no. It
1: was sold by Columbia records in oh those days, it was called Columbia Graphophone. Um, wow! Yeah, yeah. Hi, Columbia, looking at you. And yeah. Uh, so the song was "N-word love a watermelon," and it went oh, like this: no. "N-word love a watermelon, ha 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 ha. N-word love a watermelon, ha 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 ha. La 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 la. Yep." And so um, that song got picked up by minstrel shows. And so it would be performed by white actors and blackface to wow. largely white audiences, um, except for probably the uh. peanut gallery. Um, and what happened? Well, ice cream parlors played minstrel music in their shops, right? Because uh. people would go in and they'd get an ice cream. As the suburbs started to expand. Uh-huh. The concept of a ice cream parlor in a truck caught on, and so because minstrel music was played in ice cream parlors, it was a natural go-to to play that jingle from the ice cream truck. On the truck, because sure. that's what you would have heard in one of the stores, right? Sure, makes sense. Yeah, and so not that we have to stop eating that's ice terrible. cream, but that's. They should
0: start playing different songs then. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to believe how ingrained racism is, and how part part of every part of our society.
1: And we're constantly surprised by it every day. I'm like, what? Really? Is this? How is this a thing still? I. Oh yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I'm. I'm, Didn't
0: realize I'm a racist.
1: Yeah. Yep. Amazing. And so, don't want to be. No. But God, I love ice cream. And that People song is so be. catchy.
0: You don't see ice cream trucks very much anymore. There used to be one that would go around the town in Arizona where I stay sometimes. But I haven't heard it there lately. So I think they probably gave up on trying to make that a money-making venture.
1: I'm going to guess that um, I was going to say Amazon. Amazon doesn't. Oh, I guess I like Whole Foods, Amazon delivery. You can, just, you right, can Amazon French ice cream whatever. now. No, but you could yeah. probably door dash it or whatever. But. Why would you? It's already stupid expensive for what it is, and then DoorDash is just another forty bucks.
0: It totally is. I do it all the time, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) brag, brag. (laughs) I do it all the time, but I hate myself for doing it.
0: But I hate myself for it. So.
1: yeah, so, the apology of apology, so rating
0: though So, John McPartland um, actually did give an apology prior to even being censored by the Board of Directors. And he said, I am quite frankly mortified that I would cause that much grief to anybody that I hold in that much respect. I plead ignorance, and I ended up having a talk with the deputy journal manager who gave me a quote out of a dictionary for the term that identified a degree of sensitivity for the African-American community. He's talking about there, the... Um, um, what's the term that he used? Cotton picking. Yeah. I am sincerely sorry. I am acknowledging my ignorance and sincerely apologize. So let's look at that with our criteria in mind. Um, was there an expression of regret? I would say yes. Was there an explanation of what went wrong? Well, he said he was ignorant. But what is the saying, ignorance is no excuse for breaking the law or something like that?
1: That is um, the saying, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'm not sure that we can let him off the hook on that one. Uh, there was an acknowledgement of responsibility. He did say that, you know, he did it. He took responsibility. Um, there was a declaration of repentance. There was no offer of repair. He didn't say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z to make up for what I did, which would have been nice. And there was really no request for forgiveness. I mean, he said he was sorry, but he didn't say, please, please forgive me or anything like that. So so but I think that given his background of having made racist comments in the past, um, I think he's more than a little bit careless about the terms that he uses and perhaps even intentionally has used some terms that are a little bit or flat out racist. So I'm not going to let him off the hook with this apology and I'm going to rate it a four.
1: Okay, here's where we differ. Um, okay, because when I first read it, I was like, "Oh, solid eight. <laughs> um, yep i i I love that you're horrified. I love that you've said that. Um, I love that you're yeah. taking ownership that other people are offended and and yeah. while you didn't, and, and that you're horrified that you offended these people. I love that you've used the word respect. That you know you've yeah. you've horrified people that you respect. Um, and then, as usually happens, when you went through the criteria, which I need to get a list of, right? Yeah. This is only episode 129. I'm
0: sorry, I'll send it to you. No, I, I have a list. I just have. never
1: open it and look at it.
0: Of course, I, I,
1: I helped create the list, I'm sure. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I, or if not, I was probably like, fine, I love it. Yep, worked great. <laughs> um, so I went. I went from an eight, because also it's like, Well, Theo, you had that reaction of like con picking. That's hardly a word at all. (laughs) Right. That's not offensive. Um, so probably recognize, uh, like, oh, that could be me in some time, but let's give his apology real eye mark. Um, but I think now after careful, more careful consideration, um, six, I'm going to give it a little better than average. And here's why, um. I like that what he has said is I am sorry that I have hurt people that I respect. And yes. So I I, I don't know why I like that so much, but I just do. Um because because it hurts cuz I get it, right? It's like because I respect you, the fact uh-huh. that I've hurt you makes it even worse for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus. I'm
1: so fucking self-centered um, So yeah, so I'm going to stick with my six
0: Okay, that's fair I'm going to fight you I, I think that, no, I just think that He says that he respects them, but does he really? I mean, I think maybe he thinks that he does But his uh, actions kind of don't necessarily Or, or maybe he
1: out. wants to He doesn't. Maybe but he, he wants to he wants But he to.
0: doesn't quite get there yet
1: Let's make so. up lots of stuff about him Maybe yeah. he wears his shoes on the wrong feet, his left one yeah. on his right foot. Um,
0: and when he was in college, that thing he did, was just wrong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shit, the stories I heard about that guy, fuck oh, that guy.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so All
0: right. So that's it. We'll, we'll settle on an average of five for fair the apology enough. today. And I'm not going to ask you if you have an apology as expected because I don't have one. So,
1: um, Oh, but guess what? I do. Have one? Oh, well, let's I do. I have a who's sorry now. Um And, uh, and it's, it's me. I'm oh. the person who's sorry. Um uh-huh. I was in a meeting um with two people of color and they were the client and yes. I am the person who is working with them. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this this complex, multi layered thing, uh-huh. um, and I used the term blacklisted to talk uh. about how something within that complex, multi layered thing um, uh, has this other complexity around it, right? Yeah. Without getting it too far, I just used the word blacklisted, completely yeah. appropriate um, word. And they both um, looked at each other and smiled. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, oh. God, Theo, for real. You you should have. And it was, I don't want to say like, hey, it was just a word. But in right. my brain, it was just a word, right? Right. Um, and, and it's a word that has a very specific connotation for me. Right. And in that instance, it was the word that was used to... Describe the other complexity okay. in this multi layer nuance thing. And so um, I apologize. I should have, in that moment, said to them, I am so sorry if I've used a word that created some discomfort. I should know better. And I promise I will um, rethink.
0: Did you realize in the moment that they were looking at each other because of the word that you used? Yeah. I probably wouldn't have realized. Oh, yeah,
1: in a hot second. Yep. Oh, really? Yep, because... Um,
0: it probably wouldn't have occurred to me before this episode that that was even a questionable word.
1: Well, it didn't occur to me that it was a questionable word until they glanced at each other and smiled. And they weren't like, you know, oh, fuck this guy. It was yeah. just more like, see, yep, there, there you we go. go. There yep. it is. Yep. And like, you know, sorry, so I mean... Obviously, I would never intentionally use words that would hurt somebody's feeling, particularly in a professional environment. Um, And so it was thoughtless of me. And on one hand, I'd like to say, see how non-racist I am? If I walk into a room where there are people of color, I'm just going to use whatever words I have in my repertoire, and I'll use them freely, and I won't even think about them. Um, And is that true? Yeah, but I also don't intentionally use racist language but apparently inadvertently i do and it's because i was brought up within a racist society and so once again i blame society (laughs) how could it be (laughs) i am innocent of all things and and, that's right and best
0: yes (laughs) i
1: love me i would not love me if i was not great
0: well of course i mean we we all love you because you're great absolutely what else what else is there to
1: what else is there to say <laughs> so anyway, uh yeah, so that's that's my my rather stumbling who's sorry now because I realized I used the expression if, like, it's not
0: right. If if I offended you. It's
1: not if I offended you. I if I amused you or if I offend you, I apologize for one and not the other. You get to figure out which is which. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Oh, I'm going straight to hell in a handbasket i can't wait to get there uh, <laughs> so many donuts in hell yeah um linda berry donut hell
0: oh okay, okay. yeah that's been a that's while that's a
1: deep inside baseball
0: that's a throwback
1: uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> hello
0: 1983
1: <laughs> You're still no. beautiful I to me. I actually do
0: have an apology. I thought of it last last week. I thought I of it I while remembered. you were
1: talking, Theo. <laughs> <laughs> while,
0: you were, while you were going on and on. I, I had plenty of opportunity to think of an apology. Um, no, and this is one probably going to—you're not expecting it, but this is an apology to you. And, oh, no. um, I have I have thought about this every day—not every day— but let's say every day since i got married and um when i got married you were there and it was wonderful to have you there and james and, and it was just absolutely like a lovely day and i will always remember it fondly for for very many reasons and including that i got married <laughs> but um it was it was just absolutely lovely but i apologize to you because i made you go and get my flowers from the flower shop and i have always felt bad about that um ever since i have felt i don't even remember <laughs> you, what you, you i don't were so remember kind. You and James were so kind. You took my mother and my father from the the hotel to the um, to the church where we got married. And it was so generous of you to, to drive them there. And I'm so grateful. And also, um, after that, I, I asked you to go get the flowers from the flower shop where um, was down the street um, a ways from the from the church and i don't know how you found the flower shop in the first place because it was not a place you were familiar with and i made you go and get the flowers james and i have felt guilty for that ever since so thank you again for getting the flowers for me uh you really participated in that day and made it such a wonderful day and i'm very sorry that i i i used you
1: (laughs) oh you (laughs) you know you know i was delighted to have a mission, a job, something to accomplish, something that was helping. <laughs> I couldn't have felt more more excited and honored than if you had said, like, please be my best man and just march down the uh. aisle behind me or whatever. So, uh. yeah, any, one, anything to help, too. I don't remember that at all. So, <laughs> if it, if Once it again, alleviates... Once again, that
0: you're the best.
1: Well, I mean, duh. This is, <laughs> duh. We you're start the greatest, with the answer. I love you. And the answer (laughs) is excellent. And then we worked backwards. How did we get to excellent? That's right. We got there through marvelous ways. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, what I always remember about your wedding was that amazing fucking church. So fucking beautiful. Oh, my God. That Swedenborg church. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then the You're other thing I remember... You're
0: making it it was a cathedral, but it was, it, was, it was a very basic sort of rustic church with a big fireplace, stone fireplace in the back. It was and, and architecturally and important, historically
1: significant. How dare you? Just beautiful. I loved it. It was beautiful. I mean, honestly, it was it was a stunning church. And then um, thing two, I remember is we went to uh, th- the post-wedding dinner and it yeah. was a very nice restaurant. I believe it was French. Yeah, Um and it we, was fertile Went to a, the bar area and uh-huh. had a drink. Right, very sophisticated. Uh-huh. I felt incredibly uh-huh. glamorous, wearing a suit and tie in a bar and <laughs> yes, having it
0: fantastic.
1: Uh, of course, right, and then holding a drink, and then um, because I love my alcohol, when somebody came yeah. and took it out of my hand and took it away, <laughs> I was like, I, I no. guess that's over. Okay, well that's sad. <laughs> And then we had to go sit down, and then my drink magically appeared in front of me again. How
0: funny. Right?
1: And uh, and that had happened to everybody. And why, yes. but why I remember it is not the shock of having alcohol ripped from my hands, right? <laughs> I was very nice about it. It was like, I'll take that now. Thank you, sir. <laughs> oh, okay. We're going to dinner. Oh, okay. Great. God, Jim, that's my drink. Um, <laughs> it's when we sat down and the drinks appeared back at the table. Then later, James said, "It is incredibly elegant to me that in America you can drink cocktails with your dinner. At
0: dinner, <laughs>
1: because in That's Europe it, that it would be the height of gauche. It does not happen. Really? Yeah, it's wine. Interesting. Wine with dinner. You have wine, you have wine with dinner. Yeah. Cocktails after and before. Yeah, and at breakfast, yeah. right? But not with, yeah. not on the table with your meal." Um, now, whether that's a rule that James' mom invented, because there's a lot of bullshit like that in my family where it's like, is that a thing or did James' mom make it up? Oh, she made that up. Okay, uh-huh. great. Um, so, don't know. I've never asked another European, but now I will. I've got to look up that other thing, too, that I wasn't sure about. Um, I think it's kind of a
0: thing that you don't have cocktails with dinner but you, you take them with you to your table if you if you um, are still finishing them up but uh, but I think that he's right and, and it is sort of an etiquette thing that you don't drink cocktails with dinner because I always do it and I'm always conscious that I'm doing something a little bit wrong
1: well see and I when we go out like you can have a cocktail it's on the it's on the oh, menu. Sure. They're not going right? to tell you,
0: you can't spend money.
1: Yeah. It, I guess that's it. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to be like, the, a waiter has never looked at me and been like, you want what?
0: How dare you?
1: you How dare you Really? Have a
0: cocktail with your dinner?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, akin to putting ice in wine without right. apologizing for asking for it that right. way. Right. Yes.
0: Do people do that?
1: Oh, yes, they do. I have been with people, friends, nay. Nay, people I love have asked for white wine with With ice ice cubes in it, but, and here's here's why I love them, they know that that's wrong and they know it's horrifying and so they always apologize. And they always start off with, I know this is terrible, but may I have some ice with my wine, please?
0: I have been with people that put sugar cubes in their champagne and do not apologize.
1: I've done that. It's called a Marilyn Monroe. Is it? Yep, because that's how she... Look at the that. useless Hollywood knowledge I have, right? <laughs> Marilyn Monroe would put a sugar cube in her champagne oh and drink God. it.
0: Well, Now, I mean, she I did grow why. up in an orphanage,
1: so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly she didn't know any better.
0: I had no idea it had a name and it was a thing.
1: Um, I don't know if it's an official thing, but... the that's how it's been explained to me. So right? I
0: like my sugar in my champagne as a cocktail, like a French seventy-five with, with simple syrup in it and and gin and and lemon and other things. But I would not think to put a sugar cube in it. Maybe I'll try it.
1: I can't say I that it makes it any say. better, but I don't like champagne, <laughs> so that might be oh, why. Okay. I used. To, I mean, I haven't done it in years and years and years, and I only ever. Yeah did it because somebody told me about the Marilyn Monroe thing and I was like I'm going to try that and then I think for like two weeks that was my thing but also the champagne that I had came from shitty restaurants that, <laughs> that served champagne at brunch you know like it was two dollar right. a bottle champagne yeah anyway now we're talking wow. about the price of champagne
0: I was going to say this is this has gone off to the rails onto a conversation in between you yes. and me <laughs> We've not really on the podcast.
1: oh we're recording so. how about that
0: <laughs> so I think that's all that I have for the podcast today. We can end it on that note if you like.
1: Let's end it on everybody that note everybody.
0: Go have a Marilyn Monroe in honor of us and in honor not of Theo because he's the dance
1: best. to that ice cream song.
0: Okay, yeah. So do you not know, ever go back. To the, don't get ice cream from trucks anymore until they change the songs. So, all right, everybody, stay cool, cucumbers, and don't trip, potato chips, and we'll see you next week. Bye.
1: Bye, everyone. <laughs>